I'm Lisa Sheeler. I am General Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer of Rumline Advisors, and I have been a co-chair this year for the Financial Services section along with Pamela Grossetti at uh, K&L Gates. And uh, we have come up as one of the, um, the programs that we will be wrapping up the season with, um, with the idea we do a, um, a webinar on uh, remote work and virtual collaboration, uh, given all that we have been dealing with over the last few months of um, our, our work world changing significantly. And so there, we have three um, individuals who I know well and highly respect, and I was very excited that they're each able to join and uh, give their perspectives and advice on uh, getting through this pandemic. So um, first I will start off with Mike Assis. Mike is chairman um, and a, um, the practice leader for the asset management group and investment funds area at KNL Gates. Um, the practice group has over 150 lawyers across the globe. And in addition, uh, Mike is working with the various offices as chairman. So it will be terrific to get his perspective from a global perspective and um, as, a, as a leader in many regards, in addition to being a, a practicing lawyer for various clients. Um, next, we have up Alex Gavis, who is Senior Vice President and Deputy General Counsel at Fidelity. Um, Alex leads a team of lawyers and other professionals providing legal services for retail brokerage, workplace retirement business, and is an expert in various areas of the law, including uh, electronic, and mobile, commerce, and social media. Uh, and then lastly, we have um, Ellen Kiley. Um, lastly, but not least, uh, Ellen Kiley is uh, president of EMK Consulting, LLC. Ellen has over 20 years experience um, and has focused her career providing business development, sales, coaching, marketing, and PR for lawyers and others in professional services. Um, Ellen writes for various publications including Bloomberg and Mass Lawyers Weekly, and she has a column in Mass Lawyers Weekly called Ask Ellen, where she provides advice for the legal profession. Um, so with that, I will uh, start off by asking each of them a question, and um, I the one that came to mind was just to, you know, start off with how has the last few months gone for everybody? Um, I have this strong memory um, in, um, it was March 9th that uh, I was out in post office square meeting with folks and hesitant to shake hands. Um, and, and from there, um, I was, uh, you know, quickly finding that we were starting to think about what to do in the office. And then by that Friday, I was out of the office and they haven't gone back. Um, in fact, I had to call because I had a banana sitting on my desk and I had to find a way to have somebody get that in the garbage. So Mike, why don't you start off and, and talk about what has happened with you over the last few months? 
Well, the one of the the uh, challenges of the, of the past few months is really to remain connected with our clients and remain connected with uh, the firm overall and also all the partners and associates we work with. And we put a, and I and others have done a concerted effort trying to be constantly in contact with them through webinars like this, through one-on-one -on -one calls. Uh, we've done virtual cocktail hours. Uh, we've done CLE programs. So every day we're trying to uh, call at least one or more of our partners or associates and our clients just to, just to make sure they know we're here and we're here for them. Uh, I have come to appreciate some of the two great advantages of this thing, and that is the dress code's great and the commute's even greater. Uh, but there are obviously a lot of challenges just keeping, just keeping the uh, internet system open and uh, just making sure that when you, you get up in the morning, when you go into the office or into the room you have your computer, uh, that you turn it off before you have to go to bed because you do have to have some downtime by yourself or with your family. And we seem to all to get cut off just working almost 24 seven uh, while we're doing it at home. Well, knowing you, we could talk about it more. I'm sure you're, you were a frequent traveler and that has been cut back. Uh, definitely. Uh, uh, in my role as chairman of the firm, I'm on, I've been on a plane, at least one, one plane, at least every week. A lot of international traveling and it did take quite an adjustment uh, not being on a plane for at least uh, the past 12 weeks. And uh, I have to tell you, the thought of getting on a plane again uh, is not a good thought right now. So we'll have to play this out, see how, how it works out. Great. Thanks, Mike. And how about you, Alex? Thanks, Lisa. You know, when I, when I think about it, um, I think about it kind of on two levels. Um, the first level is really the firm and sort of, you know, how we have adjusted. And I'd say, you know, Fidelity has done an absolutely super job of moving practically all of its workforce virtually. And, you know, we were fairly well enabled um, using Zoom and having good laptops and other devices to be able to connect in. So, you know, so like at the company level, it's been really, really very easy to do. A lot of people were working sometimes remotely or from their house anyway. And so I think the connectivity was pretty good, you know, but then I think about it on the personal level. And I think there was really, um, you know, for me, I was mostly working downtown in an office, taking the commuter rail every day and you know occasionally i'd be working from home and when i work from home you know sometimes i sort of work in the den or sometimes i work at the kitchen table or sometimes and the mind shift for me was like all of a sudden here i am working throughout the entire day in my house there are others in the house you know there's noise around that i wasn't even aware of could be happening and there's a a, a sense of like how do i set up my my day and my work so that I can really be the best I can be and some of that has sort of evolved over time you know I started out sort of you know working you know at a coffee table <laughs> and then sort of then added another monitor and then added you know um, a table and then moved myself into a room and so there's sort of been an evolution to get myself sort of into that 
I've got a workspace that's maybe separate from, you know, the rest. Um, I know not everybody can do that, but it helps because then I can leave it behind, you know, when I need to leave it behind. The main thing though, for me, has been the loss of kind of those random interactions. Um, you know, when I worked downtown and when I was in a large building such as the Fidelity building, I would run into colleagues in the hallway on the way to the lunchroom or the bathroom or whatever. And, you know, we'd have these informal discussions and it really is hard now. You have to really program and plan out your, your day and you have Zoom meetings, but you, I, I, I kind of want, you know, Zoom to invent the random Zooming so that you could just sort of hit a button and randomly call up one of your friends as if you meet them in the hallway, but that, that hasn't happened. So that, that's a big change for me. Yeah, I'm similar to you, Alex. I, I was not working from home on a regular basis and, and it did take some effort to figure out what would and wouldn't work. Um, so I can empathize with that. Um, Ellen, how about you? Um, I know you have worked at law firms and um, now running your own practice. Um, it'd be interesting to hear how that's been going for you. Sure. So, um, well, from a personal perspective, I used to be out every single night at dinners, events, whatever. And um, I feel like I've been giving the gift of time, right? My son is about to go off to college. And so it's a, a whole new world for me. Um, but as far as business, um, PR side of things, I've always worked on the PR side virtually because that does not require any in-person time. Um, but as far as coaching goes, where we've moved to either phone calls or uh, virtual, you know, Zoom meetings. Um, I have found that, you know, I'm still keeping the same type of schedule. Normally, I'd go into a client's office for the day and just meet with attorneys one-on-one -on -one right after the other. So I'm sort of keeping that same similar schedule, but it's just now, you know, via phone or Zoom, whether someone is Zoomed out or not, um, they want to do calls. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so you found ways to, uh, to work around it and continue to serve your clients. Yeah, and I remember being in a client's office the day before the shutdown, and we just didn't realize what was really happening. And I, I remember I was in a meeting with several people, and we were spaced apart. I saw, you know, one attorney coming in the conference room using a napkin to open the door. Uh, so, um, you know, we didn't realize what was happening. But, um, you know, my clients now, one firm, they're going into the office, but they're still meeting via Zoom, even though they're next door to each other, just to keep the social distancing. So it's, it's interesting to see what's happening. Yeah, yeah, which is it's great we have that option. Um, I, you know, I think back, a remote work has really changed uh, in the 90s. You know, I uh, still didn't love email. It took me some time. And then at one point, uh, for pregnancy reasons, I had to be at home. And the, my company just delivered a laptop that was incredibly slow and really could do the most basic things. And then as soon as I did need to be from home, I really didn't use it. And, um, you know, we've only, we've seen it slowly growing, but a lot of articles are now saying that this could be the dramatic shift to make remote work become more commonplace. Um, and in particular, I've seen uh, the, the conference board 
um, has recently done some analysis and, and highlighted that financial services is really done very well um, with respect to the remote work. So I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Um, Mike, do you want to start off what you've seen with clients and, and how they've been set up to be able to handle this well? Uh, we, um, you know, as a large firm, we have all different types of, of clients, from technology clients, from manufacturing clients, financial service clients. So we have a, a really uh, good view of uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the broadness of how people have handled this. And uh, what I've seen and what I've been told, really the financial services area and the technology area uh, probably were the best uh, prepared they had the best equipment um, and the switch from office overnight switch from office to uh, low, uh, working at home uh, probably went the smoothest uh, when you get into uh, the manufacturing area when you get into small mid-sized business they didn't have the same infrastructure they uh, uh, relied upon a lot of external sources to help them out uh, the switch didn't go as smooth uh, they didn't have the internet connections or, or they weren't set up for Zoom or WebEx or Microsoft Team originally. So it took them a while uh, to get up to speed, but really in the financial service, it, it was seamless. Uh, there's one exception, which would be the large corporations or large financial service firms that worked on a global basis. Because this all started over in Asia, especially in China. So those firms that had operations in China uh, already experienced it by the time it hit in the U.S. I mean, we have uh, we have operate big operations in Asia. We had two offices, one in Beijing, one in Shanghai, and uh, the time in the U.S. when everybody had a, a work from home or a stay at home order, uh, things were being uh, loosened uh, loosened up in uh, China. So we had experience of a gradual return. Uh, which was really, really helpful for us. And we started that also in a large of the multinational companies that we work with. That's great. I, do you think that regulations, the fact that, you know, we've had regulations that have really looked to continue work in hurricanes and whatnot was helpful in, in um, uh, having people be set up for this? Uh, I, think, I think the industries that, that had... Uh, mandatory or best practices disaster recovery plans uh, and then were set up and had them tested were very well prepared for this um, you know some firms also uh, some firms some companies also had pandemic plans and uh, so they were even further ahead of it with you know n95 masks sanitizers, sanitizers uh, and other things within their offices they could use too um, so yes, it, it really helped those type of firms uh, set up. And also uh, firms that work very closely with regulators uh, and had a lot of support from regulations as we've had in the financial services industry with a lot of support from the SEC, for the banking regulators, uh, which really uh, had a, uh, an open mind uh, and an ear that listened to the industry concerns and some great uh, associations uh, that helped us, the IAA, the ICI, uh, FEMA, uh, other organizations really kept the communication, the challenges between uh, the industry and uh, the regulators uh, together. So that helped a lot. 
and frankly, the local bar associations. I think the, uh, the, uh, the Boston Bar Association, along with some other uh, associates, have done a real job in addressing the challenges lawyers are having and also uh, the courts. Uh, working with the courts on litigation, electronic signatures, all the changes were needed. Uh, so overall, uh, in, in the regulated areas um, or the licensed area, I think uh, it went smoother. Well, good. Well, we, we can thank the regulators for, uh, for nudging uh, folks along on this. Um, Alex, Fidelity is known very much for being tech-oriented, and so um, could you give us some perspective on things that um, have, um, you know, you've leveraged in, in continuing your work there? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, to Mike's point, the financial services industry overall you know, I think has done quite well. Um, firms like, like ours have had, you know, essentially virtual investor centers on their website and through their mobile apps. And so in many cases, customers can do what they need to do through, you know, the website or a mobile app. Um, we do have, you know, branches. And, and so that that's a, you know, a big area um, that needed to be addressed. And I think, you know, we did a good job of, of moving to sort of self-service in some of the branches where maybe they were closed or, or, or couldn't open, um, but allowed sort of like a kiosk in the front of the branch so people could come and drop off documents or, um, you know, interact through an iPad that was sitting at the branch. And um, I think there were some very uh, innovative and clever um, uh, approaches that were adopted by my firm, and I'm sure others have probably done similar things. Um, to interact with customers. And then, of course, being able to use, you know, video conferencing with customers has been a big benefit. If, you know, if this had happened, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, it would have been something very different. We wouldn't even be having this kind of a conversation. Um, but the ability to sort of interact and personally interact over video has been very, very helpful. Um, when it comes to the regulators, I, I think, you know, I, I would agree with Mike that, you um, I think the regulators have, have had to address a lot of different, um, you know, components of the pandemic. Um, I do think that there, you know, for firms like ours, there are just a multitude of issues that come that came across our desk to think about and to, um, you know, work with the regulators on, work with our trade associations on all sorts of things like, you know, remote uh, testing of individuals who are trying to get their license exam. If the testing centers are closed, then, you know, we've got to figure out, um, particularly if we need uh, new newly licensed representatives, you know, how, to, how do they get licensed? And so the work with the regulators on maybe remote testing and that sort of thing. Um, uh, delivery of documents, you know, as, as the pandemic has um, unfolded, there's been uh, quite a bit of, um, you know, uh, issues around uh, sort of being uh, print facilities and vendors being able to print documents appropriately um, and get them out the door. Um, and then with the mail system, you know, a lot of our customers are reluctant to open their mail or put their mail in the garage for a while. And so, you know, can they move to electronic delivery in a more seamless way? Um, so there, there are lots of issues like that. Notarization is another one. Um, the ability to notarize documents um, that may be necessary to be notarized from an IRS standpoint or whatever. 
you know, can you use a remote notary and, and do the regulations allow for that? They're both, you know, state notary regulations and then they're federal regulations and trying to untangle that. So I think it's, it's really kept us busy um, thinking about all the complexity of ways in which customers interact with us. And some of the, you know, quite a few of the regulations were not ready for this. And so um, I think the aftermath is going to be, um, I think having kind of some postmortems to think about like, well, as this unfolds and if it happens again, then, and it will, um, you know, what do we do about things uh, like the ones that I mentioned? Yeah, well, one, one area um, that um, has seemed to get some attention in addition to using um, video conferencing is like collaboration tools besides email because, um, you know, at my firm, so people get so many emails already, the operations area, and so they were looking for a collaboration tool anyway, and that, that has really helped with people being out of the office. Absolutely, and, and you know, collaboration tools are kind of the lifeblood of modern, you know, interactive communities these days, and being able to sort of, I mean, even, even using this uh, means where you can pull up a document and, and work together to edit the document, whatever you might want to do with it. And that's another perfect example where, you know, the, the straight regulations um, uh, might say, you know, if you're a broker dealer, every communication that you make has to be stored in a write once, read many format in a database. And you can certainly fill up an entire, you know, uh, field of, of databases uh, with uh, collaboration, uh, you know, uh, digital collaboration. And, and so, you know, addressing sort of storage capacity and, and can you put that sort of thing in the cloud or how much of it do you have to store? Another huge issue for the industry as we move forward. Yeah, great. And Ellen, your clients, you um, have all size clients similar to like Mike said, I and given you had been so, you know, face to face, I mean, what are you finding in terms of how um, clients are wanting to, to work with you and things that you're helping them on? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I think, you know, when this first happened, some people freaked out, some people did not, but people, you know, lawyers realized we need to move forward and um, keep, you know, business going. And so I've actually brought in new clients. I mean, that's part of my business is teaching lawyers how to bring in clients, right? So I better be able to do it for myself. Uh, but um, people are realizing wow, I actually have some more time to do marketing, right? I'm not commuting and spending time doing that. And so they're actually taking the time to do more marketing activities and, and recognizing, you know, this is a, an, an opportunity, right? This is a time you want to be visible. So whether you have a, a practice area that is exploding, you still want to be out there, right? And, and get in more work or whether even you're in-house and in-house counsel, it's still a time that you should be focusing on building your brand and staying visible. Um, you know, down the road, you could end up wanting another position or you could end up in private practice. And so you want to set yourself up for the future. Um, so, but I have found that uh, attorneys um, in general are really embracing coaching. It's energizing them and it's motivating them and keeping them moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, personally, some days I, you know, when we talked a little about this in the beginning, I feel like uh, I'm one of those people that is escaping the basement, even though I'm technically not working in the basement, but that feeling of, um, you know, isolation that you can have when you're home all day and, um, you know, despite having some of these, uh, these tools to use, um, you know, they can be, you know, they can be draining. And um, so, um, you know, Ellen, I know you mentioned, because you're on some, been on so many Zoom calls, this idea of the fatigue of um, being, you know, on video a uh, good part of the day. And I know, Alex, you as well. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it, it's a, a good, you know, tactic is to make sure you manage your schedule so you're not doing too many Zoom meetings if you, in one day, for example, if you don't need to. Um, but I'm certainly hearing from a lot of people, they feel like it's actually a lot more work um, being on a, you know, a live video. And so I, I encourage others, if, if you're setting up a meeting with someone, um, ask them their preference. Do they want to maybe just do a call or do they want to do a Zoom? And it's certainly an excellent tool to stay in touch. And, um, but, but yeah, pe people are definitely feeling the fatigue, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, I, I mean, I would add that I think, you know, sitting out a Zoom or two meetings in terms of just calling into the meeting, I've, I've had this sort of idea of maybe calling in and walking around the neighborhood while I'm actually on a call um, to kind of do, do two things at once or at least get a little fresh air. I think, you know, looking ahead on your schedule and trying to figure out, you know, if it's a really long meeting and maybe you're not necessarily, um, you know, a direct participant, um, but maybe a listener, maybe just being on the phone is, is going to be good enough or turning off the video. Um, of course, what it also, I think, um, is a little bit, um, I think, uh, you know, uh, worrisome sometimes is, is that it is very easy to multitask when you're on Zoom meetings um, because, you know, you've got your computer in front of you and you've got, you know, your desk and everything else. And I think um, sometimes maybe doing a call where you're disconnected and you're away from your computer or you're sitting on your sofa or you're walking around the neighborhood might actually allow you to focus even better because you're, you don't have that urge to sort of look at the email that just came in and, you know, sort of, you know, actively interact with other things, other stimulus that are coming in. Yeah, even before this, if I was on, say, an industry call and I have my emails coming in, you know, it's, it's, it can be very hard to, uh, to tune them out. So, um, you know, I think this is probably just even helping us more to figure those ways out that we can avoid that happening. Um, you know, my, my company um, was very, is very, and hopes to be again, but oriented to, um, you know, it's interpersonal communications, clients, meeting people face to face, doing travel to do so, or having clients and consultants come in to the office. And so, um, you know, those meetings can, can be long, a due diligence meeting with a client. And it is, you know, it is an effort just to figure out how to make that, you know, for everybody's on that call, you know, be um, not too draining, um, you know, as you're 
working through the various topics and you know your eyes can get tired uh, you know looking at the screen um now um mike i know you do um attend a lot of meetings um with in addition to clients, you know, uh, you also have uh, mutual fund boards, and it'd be interesting to hear your experiences uh, with those being virtual. Oh, Mike? Thank you. you. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Uh, never mastered technology yet, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Work yeah, it on it. yeah. Uh, the um, the I have found the board meetings, uh, especially the uh, mutual fund board meetings, run very well. Uh, but it's the one one in particular didn't run well uh, was when you did not have somebody really controlling the participants, controlling the screens, controlling who's talking. Uh, and that one, it was almost. Uh, it was very confusing because everybody was talking over each other. You couldn't follow it. Uh, but other than that, if we have somebody controlling it, uh, the conversations went very well. Um, obviously, for the fun board meetings, uh, there's a lot of preparation material. Uh, people read the materials, so that always helped a lot. Uh, and also, I found that people were more uh, precise in their conversations. Uh, didn't ramble on like you do sometimes at board meetings. Um, and uh, I, I think also uh, the fact that the SEC gave flexibility for the, you know, the 15C, the annual contract renewal meetings have it done virtually was a big help. And what's really nice, especially with Zoom, is that when you would have an executive session, people could move, board members, their council uh, could move from, you know, one, one meeting room to another meeting room virtually. Uh, and uh, that uh, everybody was worried about how that would work. It worked extremely well, um, except for one or two who couldn't figure out how to do it. Uh, but uh, other than that, I, I was very presently surprised how well how it worked. And and you know, I think the board's experience, who were very reluctant to have virtual meetings, they've come, they've gone over that, and I think we're going to see more of that in the future. And um, have there been any developments with respect to the, the books? I mean, are people um, using electronic books these days um, so that there you know, isn't a, a need for mailing books at this point? Well, um, almost all the boards, at least I work with, have books, have electronic books. Uh, one board uh, does not have, did not have electronic books. Uh, and so what had to be done is everything was sent to them in a PDF. And the big problem was uh, several of the board members didn't have the printer in order to print them out. And so it was, there, there was some, some complaining, some wringing of hands over that. Uh, and I would uh, be fairly confident that they will be going to electronic board meetings board book materials in the future. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think what's interesting um, to what Mike was saying a few minutes ago is, is that there's going to be, I think, in the longer term, 
a different calculus when people are thinking about meetings, um, particularly traveling to meetings and things like that. Because, you know, as there's a success or there are successes with things like board meetings or things like larger gatherings or whatever it might be, and you have the cost of people traveling to a site, obviously in some cases it's very beneficial to have people all in the same place, but I think that that will sort of elevate the decision process a little bit or, or, or become a, a bigger factor in the decision process around do we really need to meet or should we just, you know, have a, a, a well curated, you know, video meeting um, and, and save all the travel time and, uh, you know, time away from family and all that sort of stuff that, that might have gone on in the past. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see that in the decision process around sort of meetings. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting to think about, you know, when um, you have the local meetings where you'll have ways like the bars, Boston Bar Association for folks to get together um, versus uh, a industry specific conference where people will be, will travel to, um, you know, uh, California and go across the country and there'll be 1400 people there and you know, it's hard to imagine those types of events happening right now, but even just broadly, will, you know, if we do get past this at some point, you know, will everybody miss those because there was such a nice dynamic of getting together and as an industry. Any thoughts on that? Um, well, uh, my, my, my thought is, uh, People-to-people -people contact is extremely important uh, in any business, uh, especially in the financial services and the legal business. Uh, that really makes a big difference. So while you know virtual meetings uh, are extremely helpful, very efficient if run well, uh, it will not be a substitute for I think the in-person meetings, the larger social events, educational events. It's really it's, it's the networking. Uh, the sharing of ideas, meeting people, feeling connected, which is really, really important, uh, especially in, you know, in our industry here. It's a small industry. Almost everybody knows each other. Uh, everybody, you know, has a lot of respect for the others. Uh, and that camaraderie, you're not going to get it uh, by Zoom meetings. It's, it's the in-person, working together, working across the table, socializing, having a dinner, having cocktails, whatever it is, going to industry conferences, which really gets your network up, uh, which really makes this, this industry, uh, the financial service industry, really probably one of the most uh, industries where really people work together to solve issues, not to be obstructionists. Thanks, Mike. And that leads in well for Ellen to talk some more about networking. I know you've been working at allowing your clients to continue to do so and you're doing so as much as possible. So uh, we'd love your advice on that. Yeah, so I've, I've been encouraging clients to keep up with their network, this, you know, to continue to reach out, use this time to reach out to past clients, current clients, right? Referral sources and just reach out and just say, how are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm hearing that uh, clients are really appreciating that because they're, they're missing that social interaction. 
Um, so, I, you know, I, I just encourage everyone to keep up with their network. Um, I'm seeing uh, a lot of organizations now are, you know, they've moved their events online, but then now including an actual online networking component in the beginning of it. And so I think the same rules apply now as they did before. If you, you know, you meet someone new at an event, follow up with them. Um, and it's actually easier. Um, it's unfortunately you can't necessarily just go and have a drink with someone and, and get to know them better, um, but you, you could do a Zoom drink or that type of thing. So um, it will be interesting to see how, you know, events in the future happen. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, I personally get energized by going to an event and meeting new people in person. Um, not everyone is like that. <laughs> Some people are, you know, uh, fear that. Um, but I, I definitely uh, miss the in-person events, but I think we need to keep networking. Keep up with your network. And what about you, Alex? Being in a big office where uh, people worked closely together, you know, what, what has uh, been working? Has Fidelity been encouraging ways to stay in contact? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think um, there's both the sort of uh, group level um, calls and meetings that we've been trying to have, you know, on a regular basis, pulling together teams, sometimes even just with no, you know, agenda in mind. I mean, sort of like a check-in meeting, you know, at the end of the week, um, maybe there's a theme, maybe there's kind of, um, you know, a, a game or something that maybe people would play or bring your favorite hat to the, to the call or, or um, you know, show us the last photo that you took or, you know, on your iPhone or something like that. Um, so that we've had those sort of um, meetings where um, it's just a question of kind of getting everybody together to see how things are doing, you know, and, and see how the group's doing, see what issues are coming up, et cetera. And that's, I think, very helpful. And to do that on a relatively regular basis um, has been good. Then there's a sort of, um, obviously, to get the work done, there are, you know, tons of work meetings all the time and our calendar is full of, of meetings. As an attorney, you know, helping um, with the the business, um, it's it's a it's a really a question of um, making sure that you're reaching out either through email or you know through other means, phone calls, etc., to the business side of things and, and touching them to some extent to say, hey, how's this project going? You know, can we help you in any way? And oftentimes that'll lead to then being included in, you know, a business discussion or a business meeting or an update meeting or, or, or whatever. So that's, that's really important. And then I know, you know, in a company like ours, our senior management's doing a great job of, of recording videos of a number of the senior managers. I mean, particularly in, more recently with, with a lot of the events going on um, and, and socially um, to make sure that uh, individuals know what kind of resources we have, how committed the company is to diversity and inclusion and, and to moving forward. Um, and so that's been very helpful. So there's been a lot of different touch points, I think. Um, I think personally for me, it's really a question of, um, for the, the, the people who work with me and for me, um, you know, every time I kind of get on with a call, maybe a one-on-one -on -one meeting or whatever, you know, the first 15 or 10 minutes or so, you know, oftentimes I'll spend sort of 
talking personal, like, how's your day going? You know, how are things going? Are you coming up with any issues? Or, you know, are you able to, um, you know, connect okay, you know, and, 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 you know, is there anything you need? And so spending a little bit of time sort of personally on calls, talking about, um, you know, how things are going with people, um, and particularly during these, you know, very troubling times for the country, I think it's, it's really important to spend some time on that rather than just jumping into business all the time. That's great. And I know, and, um, you know, we, we uh, hopefully can have you come back at some point. You're, um, you've done a lot of work on empathetic listening. And so I'm sure that, um, you know, for folks that have a lot going on besides just getting their work done, the kids being at home and trying to do remote learning, that it's really helpful to have, um, you know, an ear to, you know, to, to talk about that for a few minutes before jumping into the work. And, um, and so let's turn to Mike. So Mike, I know, um, as we talked about earlier, you're managing all these global offices and, you know, it'd be great to hear what you find is working both within um, the law firm and then how to keep in contact with, uh, with clients and reach out to them. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, the law firm. Um, uh, basically, we, we look at it several different ways. We, we, we look at, you know, partners to partners communicating with each other within a practice group. And we've strongly encouraged the practice groups to have weekly meetings, Zoom meetings, WebEx meetings, whatever. Uh, if it's just to catch up, just talk about what people are working on, some new regulation, whatever, just so there's, there's the connection there. Um, uh, the second thing what we do is the associates. We, we were uh, uh, very concerned uh, for the associates because a lot, a lot of the associates uh, are living, uh, younger ones, the newer associates are, are living in, you know, in the big cities, you know, a one-bedroom apartment and they have roommates and, you know, how, the, how are they going to, you know, do a lot of their work, how are they going to feel safe, connected, and many of them have not experienced, you know, the market volunteers, never experienced a pandemic or a crisis like this. And so we strongly encouraged uh, the partners individually and as groups to have also weekly meetings, if not more frequently, uh, with the associates. And, and, and what, you know, what in, in our practice group, what we did is we have uh, twice a week uh, calls with our associates, depending upon the years of experience, whatever to address some of their issues. Uh, again, make them feel really connected. Uh, and then what we do for clients, uh, we've done a couple things. Obviously, we strongly encourage our lawyers to be in front of the clients. Call them up, see if you really don't have anything on, on your agenda, just check in with them. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing, what we've done, uh, we've implemented a lot of what we call general counsel roundtables. And really what it is, is we will invite uh, there'll be a specific topic. Uh, sometimes it's industry-based, uh, sometimes it's regulatory-based, sometimes it's just more of a broad topic uh, uh, about, you know, what, what, what are the steps you may want to consider for coming back, bringing people back into the office. Uh, and we were have those in small groups of seven and ten people. Last an hour, it's moderated, and it's not, it's not for the lawyers to talk, it's really for clients and clients to talk to each other. Give them that forum. 
uh, and some, as I mentioned earlier, it, like in our industry where, you know, we have great um, uh, associations that really help us out. There's a lot of uh, organizations, there's a lot of clients out there, uh, a lot of businesses that don't have that. And so we basically, what we said is we want to use our infrastructure and we'll use that to give them the ability to talk to each other. And we have found that extremely successful. Uh, and frankly, we learn a lot. We learn a lot what their challenges are and, you know, what are some of the opportunities. For an example, we had one last week about uh, what's it like coming back to the office. And, and we had several companies, small to mid-side companies. Uh, we had 10 of them around the country, but we had two from Texas. Texas already started to come back. And so the two general counsels of those companies were able to talk What's their analysis? What's the experience? Uh, what are the things to be concerned about? And very helpful to the other people who, haven't, who the states haven't allowed them to open yet. Uh, so that's really what we've been trying to do. You know, some of it's worked very well, some of it doesn't work as well. The most important thing is really the, the communication and you know, hopefully we, we do it much by a, a Zoom or a WebEx. That's great, thanks Mike. Um, at this I'm looking, we have um, you know, less than 15 minutes left, so um, I encourage anyone who has questions um, to get those in and then we can try to answer them before uh, we wrap up at one. Um, but in the meantime, we'll keep going on. Uh, there's plenty, I feel like we could, we could spend at least another hour going through these and getting the great insight from, from you. Um, the reopening in Boston, I, there's, um, you know, been a, a steady move more movement towards doing so. And um, just see, I figured I could see what the perspective is and the folks you're talking to about that. So Ellen, why don't we start with you and your clients and how they're feeling about the idea of um, going back into the office. Yeah, so what I've been hearing is um, there's so it, it's so much work to actually follow along with the regulations that they're they're holding off going back. Um, and they're, you know, I mean, I have a client in Wellesley and that's a small firm and they've been going to the office all along, um, but it's a, a very small firm. It's very different. So um, th what I'm seeing is they're they're holding off right now. Yeah, because it did seem like even though legal services was still essential and financial services that, you know, that, that you know, while there may have been, for example, my office had a, a small staff to address, you know, particularly the trading that was going on in general, people were, you know, were remote. Um, you know, Alex, what about you? Eh? Do you foresee yourself uh, going into the office anytime soon? Well, you know, there's the personally, do I see myself personally going in and there's, you know, more of the programmatic for the company. Um, I mean, personally, I think that the legal function is one that's advisory and probably not one that's necessarily so essential to be in the office that probably, you know, I would be surprised if we're back in the office anytime soon, but um, there's certainly a lot going on in the company around getting back um, you know, for associates across the country. And um, I'm not involved in that. So it's, you know, I can't really, you know, comment in terms of like, 
where we are on that, but I know it's, it's very well thought out and, um, you know, they're going through all sorts of steps and phases and considerations to make sure they, you know, consider all the different avenues and angles before, you know, uh, taking any action um, to allow people to get back in. Um, so I think, you know, I think that that's something that we'll see what happens and particularly with other companies in the area. Um, one thing I did want to just get back to um, for a second, if I can, is another thing that I think that's really uh, important at this point in time is for attorneys and, and legal professionals to think about pro bono work um, in, in this time. Uh, there's, you know, a tremendous number of nonprofits and others who have, you know, obviously issues and, and worries and concerns. Um, you know, I'm on the board of the Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts, and they've got this long list of, you know, potential clients who are looking for legal services. And I think, you know, if you're in a practice that maybe isn't as active and dynamic at this point in time, maybe, you know, one way to keep your skills up to date and to supplement is to be doing, uh, you know, or working or volunteering uh, to do some pro bono work. So I just wanted to put that little plug in there because I think it's important. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and one other aspect we we haven't really talked about is you have a lot of um, recent graduates and, you know, this isn't going to be, in, you know, an easy time necessarily to be finding work and they may, there may be ways that they can get involved um, doing legal work, you know, and getting good experience in, in that sort of situation. Yeah, that looks like a question's come through about how are firms dealing with summer associates or interns and new associates coming in the fall? How will you train them remotely? So it looks like that just came through. I don't know, Lisa. Yeah, sure. I'm. Let's, Mike. You want to take that? Sure. Um, I can tell you what we're doing, and it's very consistent with many, many uh, firms uh, of uh, similar trial size. Uh, what we've done, uh, we've continued uh, our summer summer program. Uh, they were all, uh, people already offered, gave in offers before uh, the pandemic started. And they, what we usually have is an eight week, we've cut it down to six weeks, but it'll all be done virtually. Uh, um, and um, what we will do is we will deliver them the computer. Uh, we will do virtual training, uh, you know, some of the basics about, you know, how you use your computer, how you get to the documents, how you file things, some basic things like that. And then we're going to have a lot of training, virtual training for them. Uh, each of the practice groups will have uh, a session or two sessions, what they're doing. Uh, we'll give them the assignments like we typically do. Uh, and then we have virtual social events. Uh, you know, it's not the best way to do it, but uh, we thought it's extremely important uh, to continue the programs. Uh, this is the future. This is the future of the profession. Uh, and we're going to follow through on it. Um, and most of the other firms are doing, some firms have canceled them overall, uh, but most of the firms are doing, we're, we're doing uh, offices. Many of the offices have not opened. They're not going to uh, ask the summers to come to the office. And frankly, there's not enough people there for consistency for training. It's much better if we can do it virtually. So as we know, they get the consistent level of training uh, on it. And uh, we just don't have the one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, contact with 
there have been some firms uh, who have canceled the summer programs and automatically given offers to those people, yeah. uh, uh, which is, you know, interesting concept. Uh, but there are, there are a handful of firms, uh, national firms have done that. Yeah, well, that's great that, um, that you were able to find a way to continue to make it work. Um, Ellen, it, what, have you uh, had any conversations with uh, your clients about uh, ways that they can um, you know, create programs for the summer associates despite the restrictions? Um, I, from what I've seen, some of them are holding off on bringing them on, um, in, in, in my experience. Um, but, uh, I know, you know, law firms are still interested in offering even programs for, um, say their rising stars, which are, you know, um, going through a coaching program virtually. So they're, they're still doing things. They're still doing programs. Um, and, you know, I think uh, those fun activities are really important as well. Um, you know, right now, I know the New York Post is working on an article, what's the most um, fun or out-of-the-box ideas you have to make things fun? And um, one of my clients looked into bringing a llama into the, a virtual meeting uh, on, on a weekly basis. So that, that, that's outside of the box. <laughs> but, but it's uh, certainly fun. So... Yeah, and we're doing, uh, I believe our summer associates are, are virtual um, or summer employees, I think, you know, across across the firm, not just legal, but we do have a, some legal interns that are, that are virtual. I think the hardest thing really is to have um, employees who are working virtually really feel the culture of the firm. And so, you know, how do they get that culture? How do they feel what the firm's all about? And the best I think I can, you know, we can think of is, is having so senior leaders and others maybe spend some time, you know, talking about the culture of the firm or talking about, you know, various initiatives in the firm. And so it's important, I think, to really think through a program that's going to give the, you know, summer associates or individuals who are only there for a short period of time, the ability to kind of peer into the company to see a little bit about how you know, the fabric of the company and the ethos of the company. Um, and so that's a challenge, I think. Yeah, it's a good point. My, my company brought in a senior officer, not a, not a lawyer, um, and they had had the benefit of doing some consulting work, but it still has not been easy to, you know, to get integrated into the company and as long as we're in this situation that that is going to be an issue um and um you know it's 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 this dynamic where um they're still trying to figure out can i call people how comfortable do i do i feel just you know checking in and then you know um they don't you know and they're hesitant to set up a conference call just so people can you know tell them and get, get that person up to speed. Um, but, you know, if, you know, with going back to the empathy and people, you know, we try to remember that and that it's not easy to, to be in that situation and then to plan accordingly and think about them um, and remember that they may need some more background as we start to work on something. 
Um, well, we have three minutes left, so why don't I give each of you about a minute if you have a, a summary of this discussion and how you feel going into the future, hopefully positive, and um, that there, we have a lot of good solutions and workarounds. Um, so, Mike, why don't we start with you? Uh, sure. Um, I'm very positive about the future. And uh, while, while we have had the speed bump, uh, which no one expected, uh, I think many, many people have um, gone through it very well. Firms have survived. Many firms have taken this as an opportunity to find other ways to communicate, uh, especially communicate with uh, their clients, the regulators. And I think getting back to the office will be, uh, will take a, long time over a long period, uh, especially, you know, in the legal profession, our, our motto is why rush? If it's working out, okay. Other people have to get there. Other industries have to get there. They should have first dibs on the elevators, those type of things. Uh, but once we're back in, I think we'll be a lot stronger. Uh, we'll be a lot stronger among ourselves. We'll be a lot stronger among uh, our clients and among uh, the profession overall. Uh, so I, I am, I am positive. Um, uh, again, it's a learning experience, and uh, and we will find, especially our, our, our younger lawyers, our um, younger associates. Uh, you know, ten years from now, when you know their partners and they're running firms and things of that nature, they're going to say, "Remember back then," and uh, and they will say, "Look how great you have it now. We made through a tough period. We're tougher people, and we're ready to you know go out and find other ways to uh, help our clients." That's terrific. And uh, Alex, how about you? You know, I, I guess I would say the things that I've learned and, and tried to put into place are flexibility, you know, being able to really flex around the, the, all the things going on and everything else, resilience, being resilient in terms of, you know, day after day in, in, in an environment where the country is really having issues empathy as we've talked about and connectivity and just trying to stay connected as best I can. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think my hope is, is that this time will create better reflection um, by businesses and others about the direction of where we're going and, and um, really start to think um, very hard about inclusion and diversity and the way forward for the country. So I'm cautiously optimistic. That's great. And Alan? Yeah, so I, I think um, we, we will get through this and it's important to just remain positive and just keep moving forward, um, but also look at all of this as a huge learning lesson, right? And um, to the civil, silver lining certainly and to just move forward and I think people will come together even more so um, going forward. Well, great, thank you for that advice. I, I started off talking about standing in post office square uh, back in March and that, that was three months ago. It feels like three years ago and I hope that's a good sign that I've learned and grown a lot through this process. So uh, with that, um, I, um, uh, we'll be wrapping up the webinar, um, and um, you know we thank you for for uh, dialing in. And um, you know 
we're all reachable if, uh, if anyone would like to have further dialogues. So thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Mike thank and you. Alex and Ellen, appreciate it. I just wanted to jump in and on behalf of the PPA, just thank uh, all the panelists for agreeing to do this webinar and thank everyone who attended. Great. Thank you, Steve, for organizing. Thank you. Okay. All right, everyone. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you.